Broadcasting from Ireland, featuring interviews with some of the biggest names in magic, welcome to the Deceit Reality Podcast with your hosts, David Peace and Steve Spade. And we're back after a longer break than we thought there'd be, but we're back on the podcast. I'm David Peace. I'm joined with Steve Spade. Steve, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Great. And we have a very special guest with us this week, Magical Katrina. How are you doing? I'm great. So we, we, we just short, shorten it to magic. That, that, that way it'll work. Just shorten the first name. Oh. <laughs> we just go Magical Katrina, but we'll go with Katrina for now, uh, just to keep us... That, that, that works better. Perfect. Yeah, call uh, her name. <laughs> who knows maybe someone called their child magical and then they had no career choice but to be that so we'll find out as we go so how are you doing katrina i'm great it's actually almost saint patrick's day which is. is very much celebrated in america it's also my birthday uh so i think it's cool i'm doing an irish podcast this week i mean you're probably irish all time of year but it's it's pretty cool it's the same no. week yeah. Ireland actually doesn't exist until St. Patrick's Day week. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a myth. It's like Brigadoon. Yeah. Yeah. I was meant to be born on St. Patrick's Day, but I came a, a week early. So. <laughs> oh, have... happy birthday then. Thank you. Uh, and Steve's birthday was yesterday. So we're all like, let's <laughs> say birthday within the space of 10 days. There you go. What are the odds? Pisces all the way. My favorite uh, Pisces joke is I like to say, uh, I'm Pisces, which means I'm 80% water. <laughs> I'm never the used California that. accent just really adds. It makes that. it better. Yeah, it makes it, we, we sound fucking terrible doing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then if people get it or not, I judge them. You know, they get it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was watching uh, your Fulos performance earlier just to get because the big intro there gives loads of uh, things. And it was saying that you went to clown school or clown college to get through it. How did that all come about? And how did you convince your parents to let you do that? Ah, <laughs> uh, Okay, so I uh, was raised very hands off. I actually uh, graduated high school when I was uh, 17. I would have done it at 16, but I had like one class I was taking at the end of the quarter. Anyway, I graduated almost two years early and I moved to San Francisco at 17 on my own. Um, so my parents were very hands off. I could kind of just do whatever I wanted. They both didn't try to control me and also didn't really support me in anything. So there's, there's probably a lot of freedom that comes from them not wanting you to, you know, be a doctor. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I just I worked a bunch of minimum wage jobs. I worked at GameStop, which is a video game store. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And my favorite games are like survival horror, like Resident Evil and stuff like that. Um, Silent Hill. And uh, I worked at a comic book store and I worked at a frozen yogurt store and I saved up money and I was doing community theater in uh, the Bay Area. And I met this girl that was really funny in the show we were doing. And I said, why are you so funny? And she said, well, I went to clown school and my jaw just dropped to the floor. I was like, wait, what? That exists? That's an option? I didn't know that was an option. Um, and so I just saved up a bunch of money and I Googled clown school. And the ironic thing is I was living in San Francisco, but I was from Portland and Portland, Oregon is known as being quirky and weird and like where people go to clown school. But actually there isn't a clown school in Portland, Oregon that I know of. I had to move to San Francisco to go to one. Uh, so I went to clown school and I just saved up money and um, it was a multi-month program and we did it 40 hours a week. I'd get there 9 a.m. and we'd be done at like 4 or 5 p.m. And we'd rehearse after and we had a whole graduation piece. And um, we learned like miming, acrobatics, slapstick, like how to trip safely. Um, we learned about status, like, um, you know, ho ho bleh, words. We learned about status, like theatrically, like high status and low status characters, um, spit takes, you know, all sorts of things. Um, one of the most valuable things for me was learning to just be comfortable taking up space on stage, not doing anything. Um, and I think that will always stay with me from doing clown schools, being able to look out in the audience, break the fourth wall, make eye contact and just be there in the in it with the audience. Uh, so I'm really glad I did it. Yeah, cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's very cool because I think it's some of the things that like a lot of people get into magic as the like shy, nerdy kid who just didn't really interact and then just started doing magic and people started getting them to perform and they just kind of learned through it. But actually having like formal training in performance, I think really stands to people when they go do that because there is a, you can't just go stand on stage. Like I did acting for a while just so I could 
stand on stage and understand what what I do and blocking and all this mm. sort of stuff. And uh, I definitely think you can tell performers who pay attention to that side of things outside of just doing tricks. Oh, yeah. I, I started doing musical theater when I was really, really young. And I actually still have these really, really adorable photo videos of me at like eight or nine, like singing jazz songs and like <laughs> trying to do Charleston. And I had this like trying to be Judy Garland voice for a nine year old. Um, and they're pretty cute videos. And I'm so sad because they're so adorable. And I I always, I always thought, you know, like my mom was filming them and she was like, yeah, I'm filming them so that someday when you get on a TV show and they show clips of you as a little girl, you know, you'll have those of you performing as a kid. And I was like, oh, that's great. So then I got on Fool Us and I was like, mom, do you have those clips of me? Like, like dancing and singing and stuff. And she's like, and I don't know where that camcorder is. Sorry. <laughs> and then, and then Fool Us happened and I didn't have anything. I think they used like a stock video of someone doing Charleston. And I was like, darn it. And some photos, it, it came out well. And then like two years later during COVID times, more like 2020 COVID times is still going on, but the really bad COVID times. Yeah. Uh, my mom was like, for Christmas, I found my camcorder. I digitally backed it up and I gave it to you. And I was like, yay, but like a little, a little too too late now. <laughs> <laughs> um, At least you have these pictures. Yeah, foolish. Yeah, factor. yeah. If you want, I'll send you like a 10 second clip of one. They're pretty cute. I was very eccentric and I would choose songs that were so inappropriate for a nine year old. Like, uh, <laughs> do, you, do you know Chicago or Moulin Rouge? Yeah. 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 Like, I was singing about like stockings and jazz and gin <laughs> at like nine. I didn't know what half the words meant. So um, was Dave. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought in Ireland they do about like booze at a young age. Am I? No? But 18. Yeah, Dave, Dave, is <laughs> Dave is drunk right now. <laughs> I just didn't like the taste. That was my problem. <laughs> no, I didn't either. I remember drinking when I was like a teen with my mom and she was like, you should learn how to do it at a young age. And, and I was like, I don't like this. It tastes gross. I'm never drinking again. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I found that I only used to drink like uh, Irish cider the whole time because it was alcoholic but just tasted like our, our apples and then i lived in boston for a while and that was nine dollars and beer was one dollar so i started drinking beer <laughs> i haven't looked back <laughs> just that's smart. that's but that's how uh <laughs> what the government thinks when they tax things that people aren't <laughs> meant to do it does work because i quickly switched to disgusting beer and then grew accustomed to it after a while but yeah it's a uh it's cool to have those videos now, at least, that for any future promos you're doing, you can switch it up into that. But how did you get from, like, all that sort of stuff? And then where did the, like, love of magic kind of come in? So uh, when I was in clown school, I met a guy who was Spider-Man at children's parties. And nice. he was like, yeah, I get paid $40 an hour to be Spider-Man. Like, and as someone who wanted to do acting and musical theater and was good with kids, I'd, I'd always been doing, like, I had an internship at the Northwest Children's Theater, and I'd always been teaching kids, you know, theater and volunteering. So it's like, oh, I could do that. I've babysat, and I've worked with kids, and I like acting. Uh, so I auditioned for the company, and at the time, uh, you know, Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel didn't really have popularity. It was like all Elsa, all Frozen all the time. So I just pretty much was always Elsa and Anna for like two or three years. Um, and this company taught me about like a 30-minute children's magic show, but it wasn't um, magicians. It was just this like one woman that owned a bunch of large size costumes and wigs and um, like 10 dove pans and 10 change bags and just like really basic stuff. And she didn't know how to perform magic for kids and she didn't know magic really. She was just like, here's the secret. There's a false bottom. And if you do this, this happens. And here you go. There you go. That's, that's 10 tricks. Go out there. <laughs> and didn't teach me like any scripts or anything. It was so bad. And I just had to like sink or swim as a princess doing this. And I also learned face painting and balloon twisting. She sent me five designs on YouTube to self-teach. And it was so bad because I'd be at parties and the kids would be like, I want a unicorn riding a bike over a rainbow with SpongeBob in the passenger seat. And I'm like, oh, where do you want that? On your cheek? Cool, we're going to do SpongeBob. 
<laughs> you know, like there's not enough space on some tiny little cheek to do all this complex stuff. So I got, I, I would, I got better, but there would be parties where I was behind on things where the magic show ended up being 45 minutes just because the kids were freaking out and chaotic and I couldn't control them. Or like I didn't finish all the face paint designs in an hour and I'd still be there unpaid just working till all the kids were done because I didn't want to make some child cry. So it was actually really awful and stressful the first few years. And I just had to like, get better or quit. And I got better. Uh, and <laughs> actually, for the longest time, I was so afraid of the part that was magic, because um, I felt like it was very vulnerable. And, you know, if you sucked, the kids would be like, you suck. Uh, whereas face painting, you know, you can just zone out, listen to music and like, just get in the zone. And same with balloon twisting. I was really good at balloon twisting. Um, so I was terrified of the magic. And I just worked on it and worked on it. And the funny thing is, my friend who was Spider-Man, um, he recommended I read Seriously Silly. This is when I was 18. This is like 10 years ago. He said, you should read Seriously Silly. And I was like, okay, I, you know, I will maybe. And I wrote it down and I didn't read it. I didn't buy it. And then I went through all this. And then like seven years later, I finally read it. And I was like, oh my God, I could have saved myself so much pain. I don't know if you know Seriously <laughs> Silly, but it's like the children's magician Bible. And it teaches you so many things and just principles in magic for kids and psychology. And it's all stuff that I like didn't think I invented, but I thought like I invented it because I was like, oh, I noticed if, if you mess up something, the kids laugh. And if you act like you don't see something and then you see it, they'll point it out to you. They'll go, no, that's the thing. And, like, huh? and, and you know, just getting them riled up and getting them to interact and doing stuff. And so then I finally read this book and I was like, oh, my God. I, I could have been so much better, so much faster if I just studied instead of jumping into it and doing it. Um, anyway, so read books, people. That's what I can say. <laughs> yeah. Learn from my mistakes. Learn from other people's mistakes and just read the books on the thing. It's so much faster than just doing it over and over again. Um, but I really got my runs in and I got better at everything and um, just started doing magic more professionally. Um, and I... I was already doing corporate events as a stilt walker and a juggler and a face painter and a balloon twister and um, doing like Charleston and swing dancing because mm -hmm. the Gatsby movie had come out. So every tech company in Silicon Valley was doing a 1920s Gatsby party. I would do all the Amazon, Google, which they each have like a hundred parties alone because they have their different parts of their company, you know? Yeah. Um, and I lived in the Bay. So it was like tons of money for corporate events and it, they were all twenties themed. And so I just told all of these agents that I was working at with anyway, they would hire me to be characters and still walk and stuff. I was like, by the way, I now do magic. And I like, I, you know, I got better at close up and I could do card tricks and levitations and things like that. You know, just, I had a set of like five or six walk around tricks and I said, I do this now. And um, the agents that booked me and event planners were like, cool. Well, she usually does what she says she's going to do when we hire her for other things. And she shows up on time and she wears a costume that matches the theme. So now we're going to book her out as a magician as well, on top of all the other things. Um, and so I broke into the industry, I think, a lot faster than other people because I already had those connections. So when I started going from kids parties to adult events, I was just like, hey, network I have this is what I'm doing now. And um, I, I started doing it that way. And then the last six, seven years I've lived in LA and I've just, um, it's been hard to rebuild a business back when you move. Mm -hmm. I don't know if have either of you moved as a magician. No, no, I, no. I, I spent, I, I spent time in Boston, but I wasn't doing magic full time there. I was doing the occasional bit and trying to like yeah. find the magic, the other magicians in the area and like the comedy club scene, but not uh, as like a full time profession. Yeah, not a full time, not a full move. Yeah. Uh, well, if you move to a place and you have a small business, it I feel like it takes about five years to set it up each freaking time you move. So you start out working with agents and using gig salad and gig masters and low paying stuff to just be in an area. And but then after five or six years, because um, I moved from Portland to SF and started a company there five or six years into it. I was just starting to be successful. And then I thought, let me move to L.A. And uh, then I moved to L.A. and I'm now seven years in and people are calling me and I'm not having to um, worry too much about like, mm -hmm. am I going to work next month? But it takes a long time, like for Google Maps and SEO and, you know, search engine optimization and all that when you move to a new city for uh, you to be findable. 
So that was kind of stressful, but now I'm doing really well. Yay. And I, I stopped being characters and princesses like five years ago and I just did myself and it's great. So, but that's how I got into kind of doing magic professionally. I did it the opposite of what people normally do. Yeah. Um, the theater background must have really helped though. I mean, I, I mean, I know people who have a theater background and they've, they can adapt and use some of that in their magic and vice versa. And it, it does make you a more rounded performer, I think. Definitely. I feel like I cheat so much when the magic's not very good. I can just bullshit or say a joke or, you know, I can I can misdirect. I'm very confident. Um, I really wish, though, that I had learned magic as a kid as a kid, because uh, the way that magicians will do the same thing over and over and over and they find comfort in that and then they get really good at something like I very much am of that brain. And I just wish that all the years because I spent like 18 years memorizing and practicing every single word to every single musical theater song and every single play. And like, if, if I could take my knowledge of like all the words in Sweeney Todd and like, no, it's like literally a hundred musicals, even still now, not hearing them for 10 years, I can go, Oh, chorus line and know like all the words to a song. Um, if I could take that knowledge and have applied that time and energy to magic, I would be so freaking good. Like, I wish I had discovered magic as a kid because like, oh, I'd be so good. And I have that feeling every time I go to like a musical theater karaoke and I don't have to look at the words. I'm like, I know this, you know, I'm like, the mo it's such an impressive <laughs> skill that's totally useless. And if I could just have done magic instead... You could know mnemonica, say Stevens, that's like yeah, a yeah. 15 year old, every stack that's ever that's crazy. And I, I would like, I would be obsessive about it in a very, like, very focused way. Like, um, all the really, really fast, like, not rap, because Hamilton hadn't come out yet, but all the musicals that have really fast talking. If I messed up one or two words, I would pause my CD player and restart it and go back and do the whole thing again and if i messed up a word i would go back and like eight-year-old me was just thinking like obviously when i make it to broadway i'm gonna have to know all the words to these songs when i'm in them so i'm just really being prepared and <laughs> good preparation and, uh, you definitely would have learned mnemonica way quicker definitely. oh my gosh yeah i went and like all the different vanishes and like i wish i'd put that into something I could earn money from doing, but. Uh... <laughs> I, I did that during the pandemic. I learned the Monica at the very first lockdown. I was like, I'm learning the Monica, learned it all. And then the lockdown just kept going and I never got to use it. So, but <laughs> I, I actually got to a gig. I forgot the Monica. So it's like, you have to go back into it. And it's like, you need to just keep retraining yourself. You have to keep on it, yeah. It, it, it's terrible. Is the musical theater still something you've interested in? That like, if there was a chance to go sing into Chicago on Broadway, would that be like a, a goal still? Oh yeah, I don't have a great voice. I mean, nine-year-old me was very confident. I can send you that video, but uh, I don't have the best <laughs> voice. But I do love musicals. I love the storytelling and the emotion and. I just saw this amazing one called Sunday in the Park with George. It's by Sondheim, who did, he did um, West Side Story and Company and Sweeney Todd and Into the Woods. I don't know if you mm -hmm. know any of those. Yeah, yeah, I know them. Yep. Okay, I don't know if I'm uh, accidentally woman-splaining musical theater, but because uh, he's like the I most- I know Sweeney Todd. I've seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, yes, it is. It's your people, right? Over there in Europe somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Not Ireland. <laughs> Not Ireland. <laughs> Yeah, we're not great at the old musicals here. No, uh, we, 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 all of our stories have to be depressing about people cutting off their fingers and stuff. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I just saw the best movie that I think I think is Irish. Last night it was called In Bruges. Yeah, it's very yeah. Good. Is that an Irish director? Right? He does like a lot yeah. of things about Ireland. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so good. I literally just—I'm having the most accidentally Irish week ever. <laughs> I went to Bruges on honeymoon because of that movie. <laughs> oh, no, that's crazy. I was watching it with my boyfriend and he's like, this movie made me want to visit Bruges. <laughs> it's really good. Bruges is really cool. It's a great oh, place to visit. Great beer. Awkward to get to, though. You have to fly oh, to Brussels funny. and get a, a couple of hour train journey. It's not too bad, but there's no direct flight. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, when I was in Europe before, I, I was driving to Berlin 
uh, and we drove through Bruges. That's the only way. Other than that, you would you wouldn't get to it. You, it's not easy. Did you go to the tower where the guy like falls? In the yeah, tree? yeah, it's good. They have yeah. fences. It's very difficult. <laughs> well, I bet after seeing that movie, people are like, "Oh my god, that's like a great idea." Yeah, yeah. Let's go up here and have a gunfight for. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen the movie. Yeah, yeah, spoilers. <laughs> it's a great movie. Go watch it. I, I don't know what I would compare it to. No, I don't. It's like Gangs of New York, but it, it kind of reminded me of that. That like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. We're not going to do yeah. podcast. But it's good. It's got that kind of dark comedy thing as well. It's, it's, it's a great movie. Yeah, lo- love. Absolutely love that movie. It's, it's, it's one of the, uh, it's, one, it's one of my like go-tos. <laughs> like If I want to rewatch it, I'm just like, in Bruges. Yeah. It's, it's been a long day to throw that on. Because um, I, I was watching some stuff as well. I think the first time I got aware of you was on Scam Nation or Scam School, whatever the, the name of it is. How did that come around for you? Because it it's a, quite a popular YouTube show and stuff like that as well. It must have been fun. Yeah. Okay. So at the time, I was dating Diamond Jim Tyler, who's an amazing magician and mentor and good friend and awesome human. And they, uh, he, he and I had been dating like six months. And he was like, "Yeah, you should come. I film with them all the time." And you, as you know, he's been on millions of episodes. Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, that'd be cool." Like, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll talk to them about it, and we can go film something. We can each film stuff." So I was like, "Okay, cool." So then, um, like a few months later, I got an email from them, and they were like, "Hey." We we saw your penguin lecture and we wanted you to do some episodes like we can fly you out here and i was like oh okay and um i i like said okay how did you guys hear about me though like how did you find out about me and they're like well we saw your penguin lecture that got released like a couple weeks ago and i was like oh really so then i like like messaged jim and i was like so hey have you emailed them about me yet have you hooked it up <laughs> And he's like, uh, no, I haven't yet. And I was like, oh, well, guess what? They want me anyway. I got it on my own. Like, I didn't have you. I mean, I, you know, I yeah, liked yeah. it. But we're, it's when you date other com- magicians. One of the things I like about dating magicians is you can get really competitive. And it's really good. You make each other better. Um, and feed off of each other. And, hu- you know, it's like co-working. It's like you have someone to go to the water cooler and be like, so about that pass, you know, or, oh, this client or... <laughs> great uh so i was like ha 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 they contacted me because of me not because of nepotism and uh so i was like hey guys well uh jim and i could come down together and we could film together and so we ended up making a week of it and going down and filming some things um but that's my uh i'm glad i can say that story somewhere because i think a lot of people think that he like got me on the show and um, he's an amazing magician and a mentor and helped helped me in a lot of ways but i'm like no they, they found me it's, you know, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't because of that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's it's, good. it's great to be able to like say you got it off your own, your own work and stuff. It's always handy to have someone who can open doors for you in any way it can. But then it always feels sweeter when it's like, oh, it happened because they, they like something they saw that I did. Myself. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I flew into Dallas and we drove there together and filmed that week and had it made a weekend of it. That was fun. But um, they found me because of my penguin lecture. So. And then you're like, who got more views? Who got more views? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure. And he's been on a million times. He's such a good teacher, too. Um, so anyway, don't don't mean to make the whole podcast about him, but um, but yeah, so I got I, that's how I got on the show. They contacted me directly and reached out. That's very uh, cool. Very cool. Yeah, it was so fun. Brian is so nice. His whole team is amazing, and it was really cool being in that space because I watched a lot of scam school episodes over the years. Um, and that's a lot of how I learned magic. So um, I, it was just unbelievable and very surreal to be filming in that space and seeing all their stuff uh, and, and meeting them. It was really cool. There was a while I got obsessed with a show called The Real Hustle and then Scam School. And my parents are really worried that I was just kind of like, they're like, what is this thing? He's like watching <laughs> The Real Hustle and Scam School. What's his like, career going to be? I'm like, it's just magic. It's just, it's not like, I'm not, not going to become a con man. It's just teaching like how to win a drink at a bar at, as a 15 year old. That's all <laughs> yeah. you care about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really cool. Because I, I think it's it's really nice to have like in over in the US with the way the magic set up that it's, the population of like 
Ireland is about half of that of most cities in America. So there's like huge opportunities around the place for, especially, I guess, living in LA now that like with TV shows, filming and all that sort of stuff. And pe- people with money living in your area, same thing when you were up in the Bay Area, there's all the big companies and stuff like that. How would you find like living in LA now? Would you find it interesting with the the clients that you can get compared to the other areas you'd be around? Well, I've only ever chosen to live in cities. Um, my goal in the next 10 years would be to make my job not have to do with my living location. So whether that's going mostly virtual, doing keynote speaking and magic at conferences, doing trade show magic and being flown, doing cruise ships, that doing fairs. Um, but my goal would be to not have to it, have it matter where I live. And part of that is because... Mm-hmm. Uh, like a, a condo, a one bedroom condo in Los Angeles is 600,000. And um, I would like to have like a nice house. So um, I love LA though, but I would just maybe want to live like on the outskirts of it. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's kind of a whole thing. San Francisco is seven by seven. So it's really small. You can just go to like five gigs in a night and you just Uber there and the, it's a five minute Uber each. It's great. I loved how close everything was in SF. Um, it made gig life a lot easier. Um, but I, the the types of clients are similar but different. I also feel like I have expanded a lot in the 10 years. Like I've started creating weird jobs for myself. Like I do a lot of wedding magic, which uh, you guys know what wedding magic is. But to yeah, people, they're it's, like, it's huge here. <laughs> they're like, that's yeah. a thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should totally need, need a magician at your wedding. And like I've just been doing trade show magic. I've just been getting into that. And people are like, wait, why would I want a trade or magician at my booth? And I'm like, no, no, you really need one. So I feel like my clients are very vastly different than they were 10 years ago. But that's not because of location. It's because I'm like inventing high paying magic jobs. And I'm, I'm not, we all, I'm not the one that invented trade show magic or wedding magic, but like I'm reaching out to clients and doing lead generation and being like actively seeking out these weird jobs. Because, you know, when you hear magician, people think like birthday party. And yeah, so, it's always tough. It's always tough when you're like, I perform for adults. It's like, I, I had someone ring me being like, uh, oh, can you do my kid's birthday party? And I'm like, oh, I'm like a mentalist. So I don't think like six euros birthday is not going to really work. And they're like, oh, no, it'll be fine. It's fine. I was like, one of my tricks is I put a fish hook in my mouth and someone picks which strings to pull. That's not good for a six year old birthday party. And they're like, okay, I know, yeah, but I have to go that extreme. <laughs> do you do kids' parties ever, Steve? Years ago, years and years ago. If it's the right place, I'll do kids. Parties. Kids parties. <laughs> you gotta, gotta yeah, no, I know I did. I mean, a lot, a lot of magicians kind of start off their career doing it, to be fair. Um, and then some people, you know, make it their their full-time thing. And then some people kind of dabble in both worlds and, you know, whatever, whatever suits. Yeah, because I, th- I think over here as well, like the way it's broken down is, like I do the occasional confirmation gig. So it's like, because Ireland is predominantly Catholic, there's like communion for like eight, eight, nine year olds. That's what I think. So like, I'm like, that's too young. Mm-hmm. Then confirmation is 12, 13. So they're teenagers of that size. So you can just do your normal show for a teenager. So I'm like, that, that was like, I always they say, like, I need the kid, I need the adults. <laughs> Give me the adults. The kids can watch. I'll interact with the adults and stuff. But so I always do you find do weddings. Like based magic or magic, magic? Just the normal sort of. Just do the oh, normal okay. show for them. But it's like it's just a one of the big family gatherings that happens outside of weddings. Cause I, I do think it's interesting with weddings, like the American wedding. So I was talking to an American friend of mine who was like, Why can't we get like I can't get wedding magic? I, the layout of weddings is different over here as well. Because like over in the US you have like the first viewing where the, before the ceremony the bride and groom see each other and then a lot of photos are taken at that stage before the ceremony. While in Ireland and the UK, nobody sees each other until the aisle. That's the first time the groom sees the bride. And then all photos are taken during the drinks reception after the wedding before mm. the meal. So that's, that's all the ones I've been hired for. They do the photos yeah. after the reception. All yes. the friends and family that don't know each other are shoved together. There's an open bar and they're like, here's that's magic. the perfect Make time the for that's the perfect time for a magician at a wedding. And that's how you sell it is like they're standing around doing nothing. But a lot Nobody of knows people anyone. They're not drunk it. enough to feel comfortable yet. The event just started. Magic. 
Yeah, it's like it's like when you're not there, yeah. I'll do it. And then there's a there's a, some great stuff you can do as well of like, oh, because you're not there, I'll try and like film some stuff for you. And then now you're like filming stuff for your social media, but it's for the bride and groom. <laughs> it's like That's you can get, yeah, you can get through some stuff like that. Uh, I think it was Craig Paddy who told me that actually. I was like, oh, note that down. That's great. Um, because you you can really can get through a lot of stuff where you're at the weddings because usually at a wedding other people at the wedding are engaged or about to be engaged in the friend group. And it's great advertising then as well to, to, to get across. So it's such a big market that the U S really should like jump on. Um, there's a few wedding expos and trade shows coming up in California and I was going to try and go to them and have a booth. So yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean, if there isn't a lot of competition, you'll, you'll, you'll steamroll it because if it's new, but it's not new, like, you know how to do it. You know that it happens in Europe all the time and stuff. So, you know, the structure, you know, that it works, but they're going to see it as this is brand new. This is a great idea. You've invented wedding magic in their eyes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people do wedding magic in LA. I don't know how yeah. often they go to the trade shows though for it. So that was my, you, my yeah. New yeah. It can be good. You can really hit someone with something like that. Like a good, a good piece of magic and you're like now imagine all your guests make your your magical day more magical <laughs> yeah i'm basic i just do anniversary waltz yeah oh it's <laughs> great i'll just be like i've one no, card she... reversed here <laughs> in this deck if if you can guess it i'll do your wedding for 10 percent off <laughs> and i just add 10 percent onto your price ah. <laughs> just keep going it'll, it'll work it'll, you, you really get a lot through it but yeah it's interesting to see the like the different avenues that like the different styles of performance. Cause I think trade shows are something that Ireland could really pick up on. But again, like there's only like 5 million of us. So it's not like the biggest, the biggest. And then we complain when it's like, Oh, I have to drive an hour and a half to a gig tonight. It's like, and that's the other side of the country. Wait, yeah, yeah, 5 million. That's that's less than the amount of people in Los Angeles. That's pretty funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's why we're, that's like our aim is to get that again. Where I live doesn't matter. There is an airport nearby. I can fly anywhere. <laughs> Just get me a thing because that is the thing of having a, you tied to your local area because eventually you get the situation where all the big people have booked you and then they feel like even if you can do a different show, they feel like oh, well, we've had the magician before, so we need something else now. Do you find that, that you get, uh, pe people get caught up in your thing of like, oh, we've ha we've we've booked Magical Katrina before for the next party, we'll go with someone else. So yeah, I don't have too many repeat clients. I, I've had a couple virtual shows book me for like a happy hour and then book me for a, a holiday show. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've had it a few times, but I mean, I, I think... I don't know. And maybe it's me. What is it? A poor artist blames their tools. Me. I just, I think the nature of our industry is people don't usually book us more than once. And if they yeah, do, I'm it'll sure. be like every other year. So I've definitely had luck with clients booking me two or three years later, but not the very next year. And maybe for strolling, I've been booked two multiple years in a row. Cause it's like, it's not a whole show everyone's watching, but even if I, I'll send out an email, you know, in September and I'll say, Hey, like brand new virtual holiday show, hundred percent different tricks than last year. Like book me for your event. And I don't get a lot of repeat people. And so maybe I'm just terrible, but I, I have a lot of really good reviews. And so, and I call clients after every show, like on the phone. And I say, you know, do you have two minutes for a quick follow-up phone call? What was your least favorite trick? Which was your most favorite trick? Did you talk to everyone? Did they love it or hate it? You know, like any feedback helps me grow and I like talk to them on the phone every gig, no matter how painful. Um, I think that conversation will be. And then go I cry. <laughs> yeah. And 80, not even 80, like 98% of the time they're like, you were amazing and we loved you. And so I, I just would say to any magician or entertainer, I highly recommend doing a phone call after every event, a follow-up call, because if you're like me at all, um, you probably have that voice in your brain. That's like, Oh, that was terrible and you suck, right? Like everyone has insecurities yeah. and vulnerabilities and um, worries that they didn't do well. And then most of the time you'll call them and they'll be like, you were great. And I'll say, are you sure? Like, please give me feedback. It helps me grow and know what to cut from the show when I make it shorter. You know, like, did you have a least favorite trick? You know, I'll ask things. And people 
honestly love it. So it's it's great. Uh, but they still don't have me back. So maybe I just maybe they're just yeah. Quiet. It is a thing that people just go. We've had that now, and it's like yeah. We move on to the next thing. It's it's, it's I I think it's very common in the industry. I always find if someone was like, that's the least favorite trick, I'm like, well, it's my favorite trick. How dare you say something? You insulted my child. Oh, I I also, I find they aren't, they aren't having you back a second time because they, because you aren't good, but because you're feeling, you're not just competing with other magicians. Yeah. And I think magicians make the mistake of think, thinking we're competing with other magicians. We're not. We're competing with every type of entertainment that exists. So if you're doing like yeah. a remote team building workshop for Amazon, they're also hiring like a murder mystery virtual show, a escape from your house virtual thing, a, you know, a game show. Mm -hmm. Like I'll call a party back where they're doing a fundraiser, like a tw 1920s Gatsby themed fundraiser. And they were going to book me or we talked and I'm like, hey, did you have any questions? Like, did you end up wanting to book? And they're like, I'm so sorry. We went with a Charlie Chaplin impersonator instead. And I'm like, <laughs> those aren't the same thing at all. Those are very different things. You can also have both of those things at the event, but you know, maybe to them, their budget can't. And they're like, well, it'd be more cute, you know? Uh, and or I'll call a kid's party and I won't call them back quite in time. Like, you know, they'll quote me and I'll call them two hours later and they'll be like, oh, we booked a pirate an hour ago. And I'm like, not, not the same thing, lady. <laughs> But, but to them, it is. Yeah. To them, it is it the is, same. It is to them. Yeah. yeah. It, it's also the thing we've talked about with other performers on, on the podcast before is, is like if they're looking for a magician, they only have an a magician price or a budget in their mind. But if they're looking for you because they've seen you on TV or Penn & Teller or whatever it might be, or, or, they, or they've got a, a recommendation from another corporate company or something, it's completely different. So if they have a set price thing in their mind, you're, you're not going to get booked. Yeah. Um, I've just been trying to do more corporate events and stuff. I'm great with kids. Mm -hmm. I can do a kid's party in my sleep and I love it. It, it makes me happy, but just math wise, I'm like, woof, like corporate event can be two to $6,000 and a kid's party's like at most a thousand at most, like that's crazy. Most of the time when I quote 500 in LA, Parents go, oh well, this old magic castle magician guy, he'll he he's been in business for forty years, and he said he'd do it for one hundred and fifty dollars. Why are you so much money? And I'm like, because I I, I do virtual shows and I don't like driving. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm not an old magician from the magic castle. I guess we'll be <laughs> well, no, and 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 the magic castle has amazing magicians, but there's also of course, thousands yeah. of them, so. I, there is also a tendency in LA to be like, oh, he was a magic castle person. And I'm like, that's all, all of us. I've, I've performed in their virtual shows and I love the castle, but um, even, even just saying like, oh, they did fool us or, oh, they were on AGT. Like that doesn't, that doesn't mean that they can charge more or less or hmm. are better or worse or have a certain style. You know, it's like, we're all different, which is very unique to magicians, right? Like, I used to do stilt walking and you can't charge, you hit a ceiling, depending on which city yeah. you're in, you hit a ceiling and nobody goes, oh, but that's like the best stilt walker in the world. Like that's not a thing because yeah. that I know of and I hope I'm not insulting stilt walkers. I've stilt walked for like 10 years and no one ever was like, we want her, you know, it was just like, maybe if you have some crazy animal costume, but it, it, it's, you hit a ceiling. Whereas magic is so individual, so to the person, so specific you can you know like magicians some of them will charge 10k to leave their house or more and some will do 100 bucks an hour for strolling magic because they just love it and it's a hobby to them and it brings them joy which is great that's you know yeah. it has a place too um but it's just so different than lots of other art forms for corporate events and things like you know, Charlie Chaplin impersonator. I'm sure there's like a ceiling for character work. Actually, I used to do Marilyn Monroe impersonating mm. and I could only get a set amount, even though I've been doing it for years. I couldn't get that much more. I guess because there's no like, I mean, it's interchangeable. I mean, if you're sick, we'll get a different Marilyn Monroe. It'll be fine kind of a thing where if you have an act and they know your mm -hmm. actor, you've got a persona or an image or whatever. They know what they're hiring as soon as they pick up the phone. And I suppose there's like that comfort in, oh, we've had Steve before, or we've had whatever, you know, it's going to be, they, 
there's a safety net is there that they feel like okay once we book this it'll be fine and and they're paying for that too you know yeah i, I mean no you go sorry i was just saying i lost out a gig to uh someone doing a comedy portrait thing at a wedding before they they, they couldn't oh, decide between the comedy portrait or the magician for the drinks reception. Like, yeah, you're like, those are different things. I've been to a lot of events where they have both at the same time because they don't take up like a whole group of 40s <laughs> attention. But As in drawing, Dave, like a yeah, portrait. Yeah. Like, yeah, like the thing that you'd see like on a promenade at the beach or something. Like a caricature or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They had that mm-hmm. instead. So okay. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's not the same. I can't, I can't compete <laughs> with that. Yeah. My, my drawing duplications don't really hit that level, so I'll have to... Like a tree and a stick figure. <laughs> I, I had something like that the other day. I was at a gig, and it was really loud, because as I started doing my walk around, they started the DJ, and I asked someone to draw an image for me, and they thought I said, draw an image of me. So I got my peak, and it was just me. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's weird. And then one of them said, why did you get her to draw a picture of you? So I was like, okay, I don't need to like <laughs> draw myself again. So I was like, oh, actually, can you make up a name for this person of me? And then I just did a name reveal instead of a drawing duplication. But I was just sitting there being like, I just have a drawing. I can't duplicate a drawing myself, especially considering she thinks that's what I told her to draw. So I was like, what way does the trick go from now? I, I mean, like, that's amazing. I, I love that. I love making adults be playful and draw stuff and be inventive um one of my best friends in the whole world is a mentalist and how we met was at a magic jam he did a center tear on me and he was like write the name of someone important and i'm i'm like uh very silly and i'm kind of a brat so i i wrote his name (laughs) and uh and so he was like cold reading me and he's like this person's um very important to you and i'm like yeah and I'd like met him a minute ago and, <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, this person is um, very handsome. And I was like, yeah, so much. Like, and it was just, <laughs> it was very flirty. And, uh, but to this day, they're like one of my best friends, like seven years later. But I think that's a great, like meeting you story is like m- messing with their mentalism routine. I'm a bad remember. They're going to remember you, Dave. It's like, do you remember we had that really egotistical fucking magician guy who was like, can you draw a picture of me, please? Draw me like one of your French girls. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like picturing like a stick figure and the beard. and They had like the beard, they had my shoulders and my suit and stuff. It was actually pretty good. Uh, so I was like, I was wondering what was taking them so long as well, because I had moved on to another trick and came back. <laughs> it was like, get the peak. Okay, that's weird. And then I was like putting it together in my head what happened. And then once someone said, why did you get to do a drawing of you? I was like, miscommunication has happened you know because what? of the DJ. You could have them draw something like 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 you or whatever. Tell them, say, draw a tree. And then when they draw the tree, that's fine. So you have the physical picture of the tree and you get to see it and they get to see it. And that's fine. Everyone gets to see it. And then have them draw something that you don't see. And then when you, you de- determine the, the new drawing that you don't see by looking at the tree, I think because you drew the tree this way, you would have drawn whatever. Yeah. Just keep bullshitting your way through it until you can figure yeah. something out. Mainly bullshit, yeah. Plenty of bullshit. Yeah, yeah. They well, just change mentally. Like. Is your character very ego-y? No, I'm like con- send, like self-deprecating, sarcastic performer. So basically just myself. Uh, but yeah, I, I like a lot of like humor in what I do, like throughout everything in like a more sarcastic way. And that's sort of way. So that's like tends to be my character, sort of personality wise. Yeah, so I, I can get away with stuff when <laughs> weird things happen because I can just make I, I can do a self deprecating. I'm really egotistical, so I got you to draw me in a weird way and just kind of like play it off. Yeah, but... like draw something that makes you happy or inspires you. I mean, it doesn't have to be me, but it could be me. But like most people draw me, but it's not a big deal. Draw whatever you want, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when you yeah, ask someone, uh, show show the carousel all your friends and then go, ouch, like I really thought we were getting on, like I thought, really thought we had a connection, but whatever, sure. And they just put it back and like, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can really, you can really play it up. There was one of the things you were mentioning as well about like doing kids occasionally, it was something I saw on your website 
in your store is that you've got like a kid's magic set that's like your own kid's magic set but as seen on TV above it. Where did the idea of putting together your own kid's magic set and how did all that come about? Because I think it's a really cool thing to like have because everybody loves magic sets. So mm. I this I didn't end up doing on my own. I'm going to give credit, full credit where it's due is there's an awesome magician named Nathan Fan. Um, I don't know. Um, he actually puts on a... I, I don't know if he's Irish or not. I'm not going to give away his character, but he has a <laughs> Uh, and, and he's very talented and he's on Masters of Illusion and uh, he's really good, good at magic and a friend and he lives in LA and he has a magic kit. And I was like, that's amazing. How do you have a magic kit? And I'm going to give you guys the information right now. It's called custommagickits.com. And you, you can go. order them. Now, if you go and you look up custommagickits.com, you're going to see a lot of examples of poorly photoshopped old men going, <laughs> on their kids and they don't look like it was designed for them right it looks like uh what's it called a black label or white label where you just take something and you put your name on it and sell yeah. it um and there's yeah. a lot of products that are white label products and that's what it is it's a white label product um so i had my friend that um has done cartooning for animaniacs make a really adorable like 1920s cartoon katrina i call her cartoon katrina she's very cute and uh cool. she's the same colors as the box and i'm just i think it looks a lot better just taking the time mm -hmm. to design and think okay the colors on the box are blue and red i'm gonna do a blue and a red cartoon okay this is the like street magic one i'm gonna have the picture my promo picture of me with a leather jacket and um it's very silly but you can see a lot of people taking these white label boxes and making them look really awkward and very obvious to what they are. Um, and the ones that I have, I put, uh, I put things that go with the boxes so it doesn't look as white label, but um, I made a website and I, I have a lot of luck in selling them at shows and how I sell them to parents is I'll say, you know, I know it's silly and like, you know, most of my friends under 25 don't even have genders nowadays in California. Um, it's very fluid, you know, mm. uh, gender roles. But at, but at the end of the day, like I know that when I was a little girl, representation really mattered, and I would watch shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and res and those would resonate with me so much more than like Spider Man, just because she was like a a badass lady wearing a skirt, putting on lipstick, and kicking butt, you know, and saving the world. And so I think it's silly, but representation matters. And so I like to joke that my magic kits are accidentally feminist because I happen to be a woman and they're my magic kids. Um, but like parents will seek me out because they want a they want a woman. They want their daughters to see that a girl can be powerful and can do magic. And like, what, why are there no female magicians? And there's lots of us, there's lots of us. And I'm sure every other female magician gets this where they go, Oh my God, you're so unique. And I'm like, well, there's like three more of us in LA, but yeah, <laughs> uh, more unique than the boys, I guess. Um, so I sell it a lot at like little kids, little kid birthday parties as like accidentally feminist. And, um, so yeah, and I have looked online, there really aren't that many with a girl on them. So I was like, this is yeah. a niche. And again, I think I was telling you, I want to have a job where it doesn't involve where I live. I would love to have sweet, sweet passive income. So, uh, that's why I kind of started doing a Shopify store for them and trying to expand it and get it out there. Um, and I'm just kind of testing the market right now with these white label ones um, that I use. But if it's going well, and it is going well, I'm getting orders like every week. Um, my plan would be to make my own kit, you know, and I, I don't know what would be in it yet because I, I wouldn't want to have like magic for girls because like what would magic yeah. for girls be? Would it be like, here's a uh, lipstick and a frying pan? Like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> like... <laughs> In a way, girls and boys should be able to do any magic. And I don't want to make it just pink because, like, who needs that gender essentialism? But, like, you know, something... Kayla Drescher mentioned that. We have Kayla Drescher on, and she was saying that, like, yeah. someone tried to make a peak wallet for women, and it was, like, pink and glittery. Pink. And you're like, no, that's not a peak wallet. Pink water with Delmontes, is that what she said? I was like, yeah, yeah. it was just a, a normal, like, man's wallet that was pink. I will say... Uh, <laughs> I don't really use a wallet, but I do have the pink wallet from Prop Dog. It's not glittery, it's pink. And I really yeah. like it. And I like that that option is out there. It's not like it has a picture of a tampon on it and it says for women only. Like Thank I have you. friends that are gender fluid that are like gay that use the pink Prop Dog wallet and they present as like 
a man or a boy, like they, they look masculine, but they're queer and gender fluid yeah. and they use the pink wallet. Like just having more variety of colors is important. It doesn't have to necessarily be like, here's a woman's magic trick where we do cooking and learn how to read, like, or whatever other women things. I don't know. Or there's, there's a promo right there. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that, that's yeah. my old tiny woman voice. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I think so color's I, I important. I like it that people are at least trying. Like, I'd rather yeah. have a pink wallet than not have anyone trying. Um, so I think it's really awesome that Crop Dog made that. And I own three versions of it for depending on how big of pockets my skirt has if I'm doing card to wallet. <laughs> I, I think different colors are handy because, like, I wear purple a lot. Like, purple, my brand is purple. So I wear purple a lot and I have a lot of purple. If I can get something in purple, that's my prop. I'm going to use purple because it's it's branding. But yeah, it's like it's cool to be able to get that sort of stuff in there and get across because yeah, you could talk about stuff get, getting that way because it is like the there has been a huge growth in even the last few years of female magicians getting more prominent in the magic scene and stuff, which is really great to see. And then it's like once the market appears the products will start coming that way as well. And it's kind of always that sort of way where instead of having stuff that can work for everybody, it's like, oh, there are girls now. We can sell them stuff. Let's make versions that aren't just like a man's wallet that even teenage boys are looking at being like, even my dad wouldn't use this wallet because it's so old-fashioned. So it, yeah. it can just modernize things. Well, I've seen magic too with chapstick, which is a great non-gendered yeah. thing, but it's something that would be in a purse. And so I feel like um, magic companies are leaning more towards things like that, that aren't like, here's my man wallet, you know, Yeah. <laughs> that are maybe. more androgynous things or more. The razor wallet that like D. Christopher put out or like the shadow wallet as well kind of works that way that it's just, just, it looks like a carrot wallet that anybody could carry as well. And like, there's a lot of stuff like that that works. Because, yeah, there are things that you could see if you wanted to come into, like, lipstick magic or something, which I still think is a whole genre that you could do an entirely. If I'm doing a magic kit for, like, six-year-old girls, I'm not going to be like, here's lipstick and cooking magic. And, like, I would just do, well, I mean, I'd maybe have a combination of stuff that boys could have and girls could have. But I don't know. It's it's a thin line because you don't want to be pigeonholing girls like here's a girl magic kit here's freaking makeup you know uh but you also but you know i i know too that when i was a little girl i wanted to play with lipstick and makeup like so i don't know it's it's a tough balance of being like a moral dilemma and and i feel like no matter what you do someone's gonna be mad at you so just like i guess do what feels good to you or do whatever child you would have wanted yeah you know yeah which would be so my if I had a magic kit, it would be like a vampire steak, a lipstick. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, really, really mix it up. So some horror, some glitter. <laughs> yeah, some musical theater. You know, yeah, throw it in the the the, the magic set. That would be it. It'll, it'll go fine. So we're coming up nearly to the the hour mark. So I'm going to bring up this, which is the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is a segment we always have in the show where we ask our guests to tell a, a story of a performance that made it maybe started off good and went downhill into hilarious circumstances at the end. Do you have any story about a performance like that that pops into your head? Oh my God. So many. I mean, like I told you when I was doing magic for kids parties, like the first four years was just like wandering around in the dark. Like it was bad. Um, (laughs) But I did. Okay. So do you know, this is one that comes to mind and it ended up turning out. Okay. But it was very like ah, in the middle of it, and it could have gone so much worse. And I was just lucky it didn't. Um, but do you know Double Cross? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was doing Double Cross, and I was in Africa with Magicians Without Borders, and we were doing volunteer shows there. And it was a uh, like an orphanage slash kids with disabilities and things place. And um, so I. I started off the show doing something really flashy and I did like a flash string to pearl necklace. Um, And so I was like, came out and like, Oh, like abracadabra. And it was like a little fire in a necklace. Right. And I'm like, you know, eight to 10 feet from people. And I saw this girl go like scared. 
And I noticed she had some burn marks on her face, which I didn't know ahead of time she would be there. And I asked the woman running the place, like, can I do, can I use fire? Here's what I'm going to do. And she was like, yeah, fine, it's fine. So I'm like, oh, cool. I, I traumatized this kid like immediately. He probably has PTSD because they have like burn marks on their face. Awesome. I'm really starting this show out well. So uh, then I did another trick. It was great. I did like gypsy thread with dental floss and this little girl helped me. It was fine. Um, and then I went to do double cross and I thought, and, and when the way that I was doing double cross for kids is I was having them be the hero and I would, you know, uh, have them come up with a power move and we would do like a power move and they'd like jump or spin or punch like a superhero. And then we would like do a, a, a punch and, and then the act of like the fist bump would transfer the X. Right. Um, but I, they would do like a power move or a dance and all the kids would applaud. And it was also very silly, you know, and like little boys and girls would get into their power move. Um, and so I was like, okay, this will be great. I can bring her up on stage. She won't like hate magicians, hopefully because of that fire trick. Like, so in my mind, and you know, when you're in the zone doing magic, you, you try to fix problems as they come and you're just improv, mm -hmm. right? And so, mm -hmm. um, I picked her for that because I was like, this will be a, ch a chance for her to shine. And um, she gets on stage and the and I always do it. I'm not going to give away it. But on the side away from the audience, I do the special secret move. Right. So I'll be like, which is your more, you know, which is the hand you write with? Because it's in, you know, they don't speak. They don't know what dominant hand means because mm -hmm. um, it was in Africa. <laughs> but I said, which one is the hand one you write with? And I like look down at her hands and one hand has like two fingers and the other one has no fingers at all. It's just a it's just a, a little stump, which I don't know what the proper term is that isn't offensive. But I was just like, oh, God, I chose like the not the worst, but like the worst person, because I think, you know, it's kind of like getting hey wheelchair person. Come on up here and dance. Like I was like, oh, no, I'm asking her to do something that's very hand specific. And I didn't notice till she got up on stage that she didn't have fingers on one hand. So I'm like, so I was like, and then, like, I noticed it while I was mid-sentence. So I'm like, which of these is the hand you used to write with? And she was like, this one, duh, the one with three fingers. Like, duh, it has fingers. I use this one to write. Like, she just answered it like a normal human because she was used to her situation. You know, this little seven-year-old girl. And uh, and I was like, okay, we'll, we'll use that one for the magic. And, you know, and so then I said, okay, now take that one and put it to your chest. And I just did double cross like I would normally mm -hmm. do it. And, um, and she did the power move and she was so happy and she had the best experience. And I just had to use slightly different like audience control for like how her hand was on her chest. Like, okay, now just put your hand facing your, you know, chest. And I didn't do anything different. And the moment I was like, oh shit, should I, should I apologize and like send her back because she does, she can't do this trick or should I just keep going and treat her no differently? And so I just made that choice in the moment and after the show i was like oh my god and all the people all the magicians that knew what i was doing were like well how was that you chose a not a good person and i was like so embarrassed um and then like the show ended and all the kids come up to us and she like shot at me and gave me the biggest hug and had the biggest smile on her face and it meant so much to her and i think she really appreciated not being treated differently and not being not allowed up to do magic because she couldn't hold the cards or make the choice or whatever, like, because I didn't limit her and go, oh, you can't do that. Please go back. Sorry. You know, or just not even choosing her. And so it it worked out well. I think it made like her day. Like I, I had people were doing photos and videos. So I was able to go and like see how excited she was during it. And nice. it was the best. And I was like, oh, my God, like, because that could have been really bad. But yeah. I think it ended up being really positive for her. But woof, like, I've definitely learned a lesson, like, look at look at people's hands before you bring them up to do a trick that involves hands. And I know it seems so obvious, but in the moment when you're on stage and you're in that mode, um, you know, you're not maybe that attentive to little things. Um, mm -hmm. so it worked out. It worked out. And she freaking loved me and loved it, but <sighs> could have been really bad. You could, you could really see because even like something smaller for someone that if you pick someone you're not paying attention and they have the hand in a splint or they've got like cast a mm -hmm. cast on both hands something <laughs> it was like oh well this isn't going to work unless you sign their cast or something but yeah it can be i i did double cross recently went through the whole thing had them open their hand and their hand was nothing 
nothing on the hand. And then afterwards, I found out that my double cross had dried. So I was like, no. That <laughs> like, how do I get better? So before get every <laughs> show I do, every walk around show, every single one I do, I will take double cross and I will I will try it out on like a piece of skin that's not visible, mm. like my thigh or my like way up here and I'll just test it like before every single show and then and then I'll forget that it's there and it'll be on my skin for like two weeks because I don't <laughs> scrub that zone maybe as much you know and uh anyway so that makes me I always was like am I paranoid to always test it no you test it <laughs> no I, I, everyone says you, you kind of go up your forearm a bit and you're like yeah, that's working. We're good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So I, I done it like a couple of days earlier and it was okay. Looking back, it looked a bit faded, but I didn't, I just thought I didn't do it hard enough, but it was, it was not that. So it was, uh, it was a thing. And just as well for people, because uh, Mark's at work passing away uh, earlier on this week. So rest in peace. Mm. But uh, creating double cross as well. Absolutely, truly amazing. So it's, uh, it's, it's sad for the magic community to lose him, but he really did leave a gem of a trick for, everyone as well as all the other stuff that he contributed as well yeah definitely so for, can i for, ask really quick how you got out of it i uh, moved on to a different trick <laughs> <laughs> luckily i was doing it one-on-one -on -one for someone and it wasn't a group um because like usually i build it up to a lot of people watching and stuff so i was just doing it to the single person and i was like it it, it she was like it's not there i was like oh that's weird and then I got out of it by doing a tr um, like a two care transpo with an X <laughs> instead. It's just because I was just like, I need something with an, where an X is going to appear. So I just switched it into a character to try and get out of it. But uh, at that moment, I was kind of just like, what, what do you mean? It's not your, there's no X on your hand. This is not good. Cause You're very just, humble. Uh... Your answer is like, I just moved on. No, you yeah. didn't. You invented a new card trick with a brand new X on a different card, and like that, you yeah. made a whole new thing. I, I improved my way out of it. That's awesome. <laughs> Has to be done. Yours. Yeah, and then went. This is going in the bin, and I need to go buy a new one and get it out. I lost a double cross once. I was doing magic at, at a NASCAR VIP event, so it was outside, and it was this whole space for like five hours. And I lost like the entire marker, like somehow it fell out of my my coat or something. And I remember telling the person that hired me, I'm like, have you seen a Sharpie? Like, have you seen a Sharpie? It's a normal Sharpie. It looks like a normal one. And and they're like, oh, I found a Sharpie. And I'm like, nope, that's not it. And, and it was just, I'm like, God, yeah, it's like an $80 prop. And I can't tell them how important it is because then it'll ruin the magic the worst oh, i hate i hate when you lose an expensive gimmick and you're just like i can't tell people because it's like i i uh i made people stop a roller coaster so i could go get a special deck of carrots that fell out of my pocket <laughs> and they were like it's just a deck of carrots and i was like it's not though <laughs> everyone's on the loop to loop hanging upside down days like i'm just getting my swingali yeah, deck sorry, we're sorry thank you i'm gonna walk away <laughs> Well, I was like I, I was away from home so i couldn't get a new one i was like i need it so <laughs> i'm gonna go get that thanks but yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's awful when you when you do something. If for anyone who wants to listen as well to a double cross story, uh, Lloyd Barnes, when he was on this channel and he was doing double cross with someone and the thing fell off his finger onto the mm -hmm. floor in front of everybody. And, they, and a guy picked it up and said, you dropped your toy and gave it back. To him. <laughs> and it, was like, it was like, I'm done. That, you can't, can't come back from that. So yeah, it's a, uh, another funny double cross story in that one. Yeah, I think everyone has a double cross story. It was actually I was only talking to Mark um, a while ago about that. I, I was working with Mark hands on for the last couple of years, and he was kind of creating stuff for me, bespoke stuff and things. So we were good friends. Um, but we we often had people would message him and tell him their their kind of their sob story about what happened with double cross. We we often laughed about it, but um, but it happened to me one time. I was doing a, it was an event, and there was footballers there, and it was a he was a retired footballer, but he paid for the Irish team, and I got the stamp. I got it to him. I got it, you know, I got it done. And, uh, but then I lost it. So as I put it on, whatever the pressure was, whatever, it was gone. Um, but I just had to keep on going. I couldn't be like, hey guys, wait a second. <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, you just keep going. But yeah, but I didn't, at least I got the, I got needed to be done, done. Um, but, you know, I had that uh, when I was performing casually at a friend's wedding. And I might've had one or 20 drinks. And I had it in my pocket and the thing came off 
and was just rolling around in my pocket and I was looking for something else in my pocket and I took it out and I had like four X's like all over the back <laughs> of my hand because it was just like rolling around inside my pocket as I was like trying to catch it. So I was like, well, that trick's done because these ones won't be vanishing off my hand for the rest of the night. But yeah, I was like upstairs and I was like one there, one there, one there. It's like, no, that's not a good, it's not a good look. Luckily, it was only casually when I had a few drinks. But uh, we, we've gone over, over the hour now. So uh, for people who want to catch anything you're doing, Katrina, where's the best place for them to get all the news and is there anything you want to plug? Ah, okay. Well, if you want to check out my totally not white label magic kits, um, but just, <laughs> you know, check out my magic kits that I have. It's magicalkits.com. I have no idea how that domain was still available in <laughs> That's ridiculous. Because uh, I'm Magical Katrina, so MagicalKids.com. Anyway, MagicalKids.com. My website is MagicalKatrina.com. And I also have a Patreon uh, where I teach magic. I do magic videos. And also at the higher $200 tier, you can see my burlesque. Uh, and I also do clothed pinup modeling uh, and things like that, which is fun. I do juggling. I do circus arts. I play the ukulele. You know, pretty much every every quirky girl hobby that you could have, I do on my Patreon. Um, so if you want to check that out, it's patreon.com slash magical Katrina. And um, I also uh, do magic lessons and stuff, magicalkatrina.com. Um yeah, you can find me on YouTube. I have a lot of stuff on YouTube. My Pen and Teller, my Masters of Illusion, Scam Nation, tons of things. Come see. Yeah, we put your um, magical kits on your website in the description uh, if you're watching us on YouTube or on whatever platform you're on. So we put that in there. So thanks again uh, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back again next week with another podcast. Probably not next week. Next month with another podcast. <laughs> and <laughs> just have it. Uh, and we'll keep it going. Thanks again for listening to everybody. And thanks again for coming on. Thanks so much. Thank you.